Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. Jordan trying to shake off Starks. Oh, what a move! Against Gil, the crowd on its feet. Allen for the win! To the Sneaker History Podcast. What up, what up? Welcome back to the Sneaker History Podcast. My name is Nick Engvall, and I'm here with my guy, Robbie Falke. What's going on, man? How you doing? Doing great, dude. Just excited to talk about shoes. Another great episode coming your way. I guess everybody's way. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sir. I think, uh, you know, we we got some pretty good end of decade conversation that we got to get into. So um, hopefully everybody's looking forward to a little, uh, a little throwback conversation to take us back 10 years since we're uh, wrapping up a decade. That's kind of crazy when you think about it, actually. It's super creepy. Um, We watched monsters university last night because we got that Disney plus. I was like, let's watch monsters university. So we thought it came out in 2010. No, we thought it came out in 2015 or 2016. Like it just recently came out, but it actually came out in 2010. And that kind of blew my mind. It felt like it was just yesterday, but that was nine years ago. So that's how fast time has been moving. I randomly was going through like some old email stuff, kind of trying to like, kind of trying to clean house a little bit. My inbox my multiple inboxes, I should say, are uh, always kind of a shit show. But uh, it turns out that yesterday, when we're recording this on Sunday the 17th, but uh, November 16th, 2009, was my very first day working for Soul Collector magazine. So 10 years ago, I started working for Soul Collector. It's bananas. Yeah. Um, obviously, a lot has changed for myself and for uh, the sneaker world, considering that Soul Collector magazine doesn't really exist. And, and, you know, I mean, Soul Collector still exists, but it's basically a part of complex and kind of is all the same content, at least right now. So, um, but I did see that the uh, complex sneakers guys are about to start their own podcast. So shout out to uh, Matt, Brennan and uh, Joe LaPuma should be, uh, should be pretty entertaining. No, definitely. And it's funny because that's when I pretty much found out you existed. Like I've read Nick's stuff for a long time. And it's, it's funny recording this with you and you put a date on you starting working there and it's like, Oh, that's, that's funny. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's a, it's a huge chunk of my life uh, now being in the sneaker world. So, Uh, but you know, I'm still enjoying it. Still trying to, still trying to figure out where I actually fit in it, I should say. So we wanted to uh, jump a little bit into what we normally do at the end of the show and we want to talk about what we're rocking and what we're shopping for so 
Robbie, what do you, what do you got on feet? What are you looking at this week or what was your latest pickup? So this has been a big change in my life this week. Sounds a lot more epic than what's going to come out of my mouth, but I have historically always hated on Air Jordan one mids. Like I don't like that shoe. I don't like the cut never have, but I cannot say never will because I've been wearing the blue, the great Air Jordan one mids like five of the past seven days. Like I love that shoe on foot. Like it fits great. I am sad to admit that the ankle feels really good as a mid. Um, the materials are great. I just love the colors on them. Just I, I never worn a Jordan one with suede yellow toe box and like blue around the mud guard and green. It's just I, I've never worn a shoe like that. And it's really refreshing to be like excited every time I look down. I mean, I'm happy a lot when I wear shoes, but these particularly have like not gone back in the box. That's, that's awesome. awesome. That's like one of the best feelings, mm -hmm. right? It's funny because I'm sure you do this too. It's very rare that I wear the same shoe more than like one day in a row. Like I this rotate because I have to, if I'm going to justify this many shoes, might as well mix it up. But yeah, I, I cannot put them down. How about you? What's on your feet? That's a great way of looking at it, too, because like, obviously, you know, if you collect sneakers, you have way too many shoes to actually wear one shoe multiple days. But I would I would say that's almost the perfect way of describing when a shoe is really awesome is like when you have that shoe where you like you wear it for the first time and you're like, I'm just going to wear this again for the next day, the, the next three days, sometimes four days, five days, you know, like if you really, really love a shoe. Um, it's kind of crazy, but I, I feel the same way about hoodies, ironically. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, so I actually been wearing the, uh, I spent most of, not most of, I spent a few hours in the gym today, um, which has been long overdue and I worked out in the Jordan, uh, react havoc. I don't know what it is about like, so the shoe is super comfortable and I don't know what it is about Jordan you know, like runners or trainers that they just never get the love, right? Because no matter how nice the shoe is, no matter how comfortable it is, I think most, at least sneakerheads would prefer a Nike, an Adidas, you know, a lot of other brands over a Jordan shoe. They feel like, you know, I feel like Jordan is, is very much pigeonholed into like retro and basketball performance type stuff. So, uh, that's what I was wearing today. I really like the shoe. Uh, it's actually crazy comfortable and crazy lightweight. And I'm sure that it'll be going on like, a, you know, pretty significant discounts if it's not already, because they just didn't seem to, you know, make, they didn't seem to sell a ton of them. They, they did do like a PSG colorway, which kind of got a little bit of buzz. I saw people, I saw a few people post those. Yeah, that's, that's what's on my feet today. So Super funny you say that because I think it every time like Jordan brand releases like, uh, a college football series of trainers. You know, like Nike does that with their big programs. Um, Jordan will release a UNC trainer. And I'm like, oh, that's th those are cool. I don't mess with it because I'm Duke till I die. But, like, <laughs> but besides that, it's a really good looking shoe and the tech is all there. But to your point, I think most people would rather wear a Jordan retro and a Nike React, like an Epic React, than 
put the two together and wear one shoe. Yep, exactly. It's it's kind of crazy, but it it is like you know if you're just if you're just looking for something to beat up and go to the gym or something like that, you know. Once those kind of shoes hit the the fifty fifty dollar mark, I have no problems picking them up. I think it's just one of those weird things, but I'm I'm also much more of a fan of like the Nike running silhouettes, and even though they use a lot of the same technology, so. And they're both they're both so techy nowadays. I mean, you're honestly just slapping on a different logo. You could interchange like a Jordan Flex trainer with, you know, a Nike free trainer. Yeah. Super easy. Yep. Anything, anything on your radar this week? Anything new that you saw that was worth noteworthy? Coming up, I mean, I guess it's not in the super near future. I really wish I fit like a woman's size because I think the metallic silver 11s are really cool. Um, I actually got, um, I brought this up like six months ago, but I had some Kobe one pro tros, um, dyed volt and like hot lava and like a fade and the dyeing has been done. So the next step is painting the midsole and painting the eyelets and it's like little cosmetic things. So I'll be putting some money into that to get that done. Um, so I'm not trying to cop as much, but to that same note, I have to save more detailed photos. And I've seen my friend wearing them already of the, what the Jordan four it's kind of growing on me. <laughs> like at first I thought it looked really bad, but then looking at it again and seeing it on foot, I, I, I kind of like it. It's, it's on my radar. If I can get it, 50% off. If whoever's listening to this, hears this, I will probably buy it at 50% off, but, um, full retail, it's still a pass, but it's, it definitely looks better in these official images and on foot than they did with the leaked images. So that's, those are kind of on my radar. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree on the, uh, on the, what the fours. Um, so my friend, Patrick louder, uh, if you're into, if you're in the sneaker scene for long enough or from the Bay area or even into cars, he shoots a lot of cars, but he does photography for shoe palace. Um, his, uh, Instagram is QuickWorks, but within, with a one instead of the I, and he's the one that shot the, yeah, I mean, he shoots most everything for shoe palace, I think at this point, but, um, the shots from shoe palace of the, what the fours are really, really nice. And like literally had me doing double takes. Like I scrolled past him on Instagram and was like, wait a second. I went, I like, like went back up and was like, damn, these look way better than I was expecting. So, um, but yeah, I, uh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of all over the place this week with, with what I've been looking at. Um, I didn't initially like the Kyrie six. I don't, I don't want to say that I disliked it. I just was like, ah, eh, whatever. But then I've been seeing everybody post all these all those crazy city colorways. And to me, that's that's like the, the coolest thing when you get to see like the crazy color palettes and just like all the just wildness. Um, but also, I think they did a cool, cool thing by dropping them in a bunch of different cities. So I've been looking at a bunch of colorways and, uh, you know, ho hopefully eventually I'll pick up a pair. Um, I'm happy you brought that up because I had this thought on the toilet a couple of days ago. I don't wear bright 
Nike basketball shoes anymore. Like most of my bright LeBrons and Kobe's on the top shelf where it's not very easy to grab because I just, I don't wear them that much. I, I love them and that's why I bought them. But as I get older, it's harder for me to rock mango with ultra lava and volts and virgin violet all mixed together with infrared. It's like, they look really cool. Like if I could get one shoe, let's like go steal a display shoe from like Foot Locker and put it on my wall. I'd be very happy to do that with the Kyrie six, but I just, I just don't rock with those kind of color schemes anymore. It's just, it's not my vibe, but I like them. Yeah. I, uh, I say that a lot and I wear a lot of like all black and all black sneakers. And, um, but then every once in a while stuff comes around where I'm just like, yep, that's just obnoxious. And I want to have it. I want to wear it. How about the, how about the confetti Kyrie four? Do you remember those? The mismatch pink? Green? Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, no, them. I, like I them? did, but I was kind of in the same vein. I was just talking about like, Oh, those look really, really cool. But yeah. just, am I getting too old to rock mismatch volt and pink? Like, you know, we've talked about this on a previous episode. I'm not a big fan of like the mismatch shoes, but like both of those shoes from the Kyrie Four confetti pack, um, if they were a matching pair, I would have I would have tried to get both colorways instead of just having one mismatch. Yeah, yeah. Like I probably would. You know, I mean, I obviously didn't even try to get them. I have no desire to get them at this point because I'm pretty sure they're way up there uh, price wise, but. It, you know, it'd be one of those things where I think like when they did like the LeBron equality pack and they did like the, you know, where you could buy both and get the, you know, the matching set. I think that would be cool if they did that with some of these like mismatched ones, like like even back to like the, you know, I think of like the T-Mac as like one of the like kind of like pinnacle of of mismatched shoes, right? Wearing it an all star whenever that was 2001 or two or something. If they would have sold both colorways separately at that time, I would have been totally into it. They did. Um, so, and they did later. Yeah, they did later, but not originally, right? No. So, one of my very first signature basketball shoe purchases were the T Max. And my dad literally bought me the red pair for Christmas. And then a couple months later, I saved up and bought the blue pair. Oh, wow. They, they, I mean, maybe they released as a pack, but I for sure had each of them individually. Like, I can still see the shoe gloss. They were the glossiest fucking shoes yeah. ever made. <laughs> they were so glossy. Um, I can still see my face shining in them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, it, on the retro, they did a pack, but from the jump, that was just T Mac being creative. Like that was literally like the birth of the mismatch. That's crazy. For some reason, I don't remember that at all. Oh, I remember it clearly. <laughs> I was kind of I was kind of uh, broke at the time. Anyway, I was trying to figure out what to do with my life back then. So 2003 or four, whatever that was. I was mowing lawns. I mowed lawns <laughs> for the blue pair. <laughs> nice. Um, so I actually kind of have some cool news. I was talking to my friend uh, Justin, who was on a previous episode. We we sat down for for a good conversation on a previous episode of the podcast, and he owns a store down in San Diego called Prospect. He actually set up a code for listeners of the podcast 
Um, if you want to pick up anything from his store, you can use the code history at prospect as it's prspctsd.com prospect down in San Diego code history H A H I S T O R Y. And it's 25% off. So, um, if anybody's listening and wants to pick up some stuff, works on anything that he's got online basically. And, um, you know, apparel, sneakers, accessories, all that good stuff. So kind of a cool opportunity if, if anybody wants to pick up some stuff and get a deal on it. That's a good, most of the time it's like five, 10% off. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know how many people listening are interested in these kind of things. You know, we've toyed with the idea of bringing on like actual sponsors and um, obviously we have our Patreon page and we'd love to know what you guys think about this stuff. If it makes sense for, for us to work out deals like this um, where you can get a discount on something um, by, you know, us partnering with people, I'm happy to go like, you know, make those relationships happen. And, um, but we figured we give this a shot. I, I basically wanted it to be something a little bit significant. That way people were, you know, kind of, you know, enticed to use it rather than just kind of like, Oh, that's kind of normal. You know, like I don't have to use it, but I don't know exactly when the code will end, but I think, I think it's good through the end of this month, which gives you a couple of weeks by the time you're hearing this probably. So prspctsd.com and uh, the code is history for 25% off. And let us know if you want us to do that kind of stuff or if you'd rather have us keep pushing the Patreon stuff to you, because that's really like the, the best way for us to kind of figure out how to how to how to do this and, and you know, make our listeners, you guys happy and, and still enjoy it and not have us just rambling about stuff like I am right now. <laughs> but this episode, we wanted to get into some some interesting news stuff. Starting out, I mean, just to get it out of the way, because I don't really want to talk about under armor too much um <laughs> under armor ceo kevin plank says it's quote disappointing to have the retailers integrity and reputation called into question so um we talked about this on a previous episode under armor kind of moved some numbers around pushed some numbers into uh different months on their accounting and now the government's basically not now this has been going on since 2017 but they're just they're just kind of like hiding the fact that the business is slowing and told Robbie, you know, before we started recording, this kind of stuff is just super disappointing to me when when you see like someone who's obviously, you know, a billionaire and he just thinks that he can kind of get away with with, you know, shaming anybody from questioning their integrity. And it's like to me, your integrity isn't something that happens once. That's something you live every day of your life. And um, without getting too deep into the weeds about Under Armour and Kevin Plank and all of that, I will just leave it at that. I think that, you know, if you're not living with integrity every day, then, you know, your previous record doesn't really matter. And you've got to live up to that consistently in order for people to really trust you all the way through. And that's what good relationships are, whether you're a billionaire business owner or hourly worker at, you know, whatever place, like that's how it is. And it's just about being a decent human being, in my opinion. But what do you think about this one, Robbie? The same thing you just said, like, you can't just 
think because you're walking away from a company that like you no longer have any responsibility for how it's been ran by you. It kind of makes me think on how things could possibly be in about a year when ideally we have somebody else in office in this country and everybody just tries to say how bad things are when that new person gets elected when in all real and when in all reality the past four years is really what's been building up to what could be worse in 2020 so it's like another just big example of a white guy having kind of no hindsight or really not wanting to take accountability like there's 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 bosses that lead and there's bosses that like work with their company and like actually lead via example or work or you know whatever else they want to implement and it seems more and more like plank is kind of more of the boss who's this at the top and if the people beneath him really don't succeed from the directives he's led the the finger gets pointed down beneath him instead of at himself so i mean it's on par i'm happy to see him leaving hopefully under armor can bounce back um, we talked about that in the past episode like they've really let the past couple years kind of slide and i hope that the next person they bring in is really gonna try to push upwards instead of forward or downward as it's been going yeah most definitely and i think you know i don't want to i don't want to sound like such an under armor hater like i've done a lot of stuff with them like one of my favorite sneakers that i own is from them you know i own a, a ton of their shoes i just feel like i feel like this is kind of like out of line for you know and and i i don't not understand where he's coming from you know like I think that everyone, you know, in a perfect world feels respected and, you know, treated equally and isn't questioned when they're doing the right things. But if there's anything that the last, you know, four years or the history of the United States has taught us is that not to trust the people with, you know, billions of dollars and, you know, do a little more research when it comes to those people and you know we we kind of all know that that you know being wealthy in the united states is is uh you know you get to a certain point and you're able to play the game and and avoid the kind of taxes and laws and all of those things and then you know it's kind of like this trendy thing to be like you know how could you ever question my you know dictate i mean authority um <laughs> you know so um, but I guess like, you know, it depends on where you get your news and that's going to be another topic that we're going to talk about tonight. So on the equality front, this is kind of a good transition. Colin Kaepernick had his, uh, you know, tryout for the NFL, which is, is kind of interesting because it turned out that it was not really for the NFL, the way that the NFL tried to make it seem. I don't know if everybody knows this, but we'll link to it in the description. But um, basically, they changed the location and kind of canceled. They, they couldn't agree on terms for the uh, workout. And basically, like by 2.30, the NFL had officially rejected the request of Kaepernick, which 
you know, include like, you know, uh, having people access, having his team, you know, there having the media access, um, or at least to have us have him sign a waiver that he wouldn't sue if he didn't get, get signed to a team. There was all these things, right? Like there's clearly a lot of distrust between these two, um, people groups between Kaepernick and the NFL. And, um, it ended up happening at a different location. It was kind of private. There was only, I want to say like six teams that showed up for it as opposed to the 24 that were supposed to when the NFL first kind of put out the statement that they were going to do it. Um, and of course I didn't see any follow-up from the NFL saying that they didn't actually follow through with what they had planned. But, um, this is kind of the case with Colin Kaepernick, no matter what, I mean, you know, that it's always going to be problematic for the NFL to have him, playing or getting any kind of recognition like but anyway um the cool thing for sneakerheads that came out of this is that he uh debuted uh, a pretty dope pair of air force ones that seemed to be a collaboration do you want to talk about those a little bit robbie i think the kaepernick nike relationship as a whole on top of the air force one is like one of the more perplexing of all time is normally when somebody either gets like kicked out of a league or however you want to phrase Colin Kaepernick, not playing anymore, like exiled out of the league or is in the headlines outside of the sport. Brands can like shift away from that player and like not have them so much in the spotlight, but Nike's like full course, you know, like full speed ahead, stay the course type deal. He's getting, he, I mean, he's had, Jersey collections, like Colin Kaepernick clothing collections drop. And now we have this super clean, primarily black Air Force One, with a little bit of white detailing on it with his logo on the on the tongue. But the fact that they're still prepping more collections and are ready to keep dropping more Kaepernick stuff is the only situation I've seen where they don't, where they're not shying away from from the athlete or the issue. And I think that's really cool. Like if you're going to be behind Kaepernick, really be behind him. And I think releasing still stuff still and taking flack from it. And even all the flack they got from the commercial about a year ago with Kaepernick, like to still just not take that negative reception and keep doing what you're doing. I think it's really cool. I would buy more Kaepernick shoes if there were other ones than this air force one releasing but his collection stuff tends to sell out pretty fat um so i like this shoe i like even more that nike is sticking behind him and i like the fact that he's even getting this kind of situation to like work out in front of even six teams um i saw on espn that this is like completely unprecedented like there's never been a situation where an active free agent has a, a tryout for himself. This is like an NFL combine feel for an individual well into his career. Like this, something like this has never happened. So it's, it's a really unique and some hate the situation. Some say it's a bad situation or think he's just looking for more attention. But I think this dude is trying to get a job. Like there's reports coming out from Stephen A. Smith that, there's a little bit of, you know, lack of, 
I mean, genuine, genuine effort on Kaepernick to get signed. Like he, he's been approached by teams apparently, but he's unwilling to shake some of his dollar amount demands and, or what he's going to be like in the locker room and on the field. Um, I don't know how much truth is to that because Stephen A. Smith is typically a pretty damn good source in my book when it comes to sports, but there's a lot more circulating around this Kaepernick stuff than the workout itself and a pair of Air Force Ones. It's going to keep being a saga, I think, with just some cool shoes maybe sprinkled in. I do think that there's been... What was it? Back in March is when they settled, right? The NFL and, and Kaepernick, along with Eric Reed, who was a cornerback for the 49ers at the time, that the whole thing started. Um, they settled basically, you know, to kind of move past it, right? And I think that, you know, I don't know when those workouts and you know, conversations with teams have happened that Stephen A is talking about. But um, up until that point, you know, there was no real, I don't think there was any real reason for Kaepernick to talk to teams for less than, you know, whatever his asking price was. I feel like, I feel like he deserved to have the the conversations as if like he was just a regular free agent, but you know, it's, it's obviously super complicated. A lot of the teams don't want to, you know, put themselves out there, so, so to speak, with, with signing Kaepernick because of what happens. But the irony is like, if, if you're the team that signs Kaepernick right now and he comes and plays like anywhere above average, you're going to sell way more jerseys than people are going to burn on the internet. So you know, he's maybe going to get a small cut of that depending on how his deal is set up, but the team's going to benefit from, from signing, you know, there's going to be so much, you know, and I get that it will be chaos around, you know, him playing again, but I just feel like you're going to end up making so much money selling jerseys and selling all of, you know, people are going to want to come to see him. They're going to want to come to like cheer him on. They're going to want to come to boo him. Like he's going to put people in the seats and at the end of the day, if you're an owner, that's a good thing, in my opinion. But maybe I'm looking at it wrong from that perspective. I mean, I feel like he has deserved to have a shot, you know, and I'm, you know, probably more biased than most people because, you know, I, I'm a 49er fan. I have been for all my life. And, you know, we got so damn close to winning the Super Bowl <laughs> that I just wanted him to get us back there. But, yeah, it's it's a really crazy situation and like you said i think unprecedented on on all sides right like you've never had you know somebody's you know like fight for what they believe in in this way before and props to him for doing that and setting an example for people he's never you know nobody in football has really forced the conversation about that even though it needs to be and i think it's been awesome to see nike stick with him because I don't think that his belief and his opinion is coming from any place other than just, you know, truth. And, you know, if you're Nike and, and that's what your brand supposedly stands for, you kind of you kind of have to, to roll with him, in my opinion. But 
um, like you said, they, they shy away from a lot of stuff like this and they haven't with Kaepernick. So it's, it's great to see. And, you know, I mean, hopefully he's playing, uh, you know, I didn't get to see much of the workout or anything, but I haven't really watched football since 2016 anyway, since, um, he kind of got blackballed. So you're able to list out like the pros and the cons of him coming back. And I think that's because you understand why he's doing or why he did what he did, like why he's protesting and why he's kneeling. And I still get really angry when people are upset by him kneeling. There's like a million different things he could do that are that anybody could do that are disrespectful during the national anthem. But if you just do your homework, like any kind of these political topics in this country, if you have to go and look at the facts that he's like consulted and been reached out to by former armed forces members that he's doing it the best way that he can or could and that they're behind him. If, if you, if that bothers you so bad, you don't understand fundamentally why he's kneeling, which means you don't understand that there's racial inequality and racial injustice and a big need for police reform in this country. And if you don't understand those things and you don't understand why he's kneeling, then I personally don't have time for you. Like, I don't have time to explain that. Like, you should have half of a heart to understand and half of a brain to know that the facts are out there. That the fact that he's been blackballed over this, this to my core angers me. Like, you can go and yeah. assault your girlfriend or assault your fiance or do all these different things and get kicked out for a year and then teams are trying to sign you again. But when you're genuinely, genuinely a good person, like Kaepernick, there's no reports of him being a bad guy and you're just sticking up for what you believe in and what you're believing as roots and truth. Like if you can't get behind that, like you are in the 1800s still, and you don't have a good understanding of race relationships. Like it's, it's bad <laughs> and rant, but it just makes me so angry that we, that he's not playing football. Let him not play football. Cause he can't play. Don't let him play football. Don't let him not play football. Cause he's speaking out for what's obviously out there. It's driving me mad. I don't want to go too far down this path, but I, I feel like, I feel like I need to say that, you know, the, the NFL has a history of, of brushing shit under the rug. And, you know, uh, as long as you play by their rules and, you know, don't ruffle feathers within the league or the, the business of football, then you're kind of given whatever, you know, opportunities that you want. Um, and, and I think that that is kind of why this whole thing is just so over the top ridiculous to me, because going back to like, you know, I don't know how many of our listeners remember, um, you know, like Ray Lewis w was basically like indicted on murder charges back in like 99 or 2000. And, you know, he essentially has become like a, you know, he, he, he has essentially become like a, you know, I don't know, like, like this religious figure in football now. And to me, that's like, wait a second, like how, what, but like, like you said, like the, the spousal abuse, the, the, the 
forget who it was dragging his girlfriend out of the you know hotel elevator like like there's so much going on wrong in the nfl this is not the thing that should be the conversation piece yet it is because it distracts you know and i I think that you know the nfl probably is like yeah of course we're not going to let kaepernick play because if we continue this to be a spectacle then people don't pay attention to the fact that we have really true truly shitty human beings in our league that should not be given these opportunities and you know it to me is just like a big smoke and mirrors thing um even down to like this tryout feels like a uh or this you know workout session or whatever feels like a big you know pr stunt but um i don't know i try to just hope for the best with a lot of this stuff and um try not to get too worked up over it but yeah i'm the same uh you know i obviously like believe pretty strongly um in kaepernick and his motivations for this stuff so um but that said like um shifting gears and getting into kind of the next next topic we wanted to like talk a little bit about the air force one um just kind of being like this staple now like i mean it always has been but it's kind of crazy that we're going back to it repeatedly and we're kind of getting a lot more energy towards it you know like the kaepernick air force one um the the g dragon air force one the travis scott air force one which you know I think uh, I don't want to bring up any uh, tough, tough times for anyone that took an L on those like Robbie and I did. But um, ah! <laughs> um, yeah, it's just cool to see. It's cool to see a lot more energy around the Air Force One, because I feel like there's a lot of times with Air Force Ones and dunks specifically where you just kind of feel like the colorways and the stories that align with them are just getting mailed in. So um, I don't know what. Are there any like on your radar that you that stand out to you, Robbie? Yeah. Um, as a quick side note, word on the street is that the Nike employee store is getting Travis Scott ones, not Travis Scott ones, Air Force ones tomorrow. So if you're a Nike employee and hear this and you can get more than one pair, <laughs> um, I told you that they're there. So you should go. You know, not shoot the messenger, but reward the messenger. Uh, I heard that from two different sources. It's funny how they tell me this, but then they're like, oh, I'm getting a pair for myself. So I don't know if I can get you a pair. Oh, cool. Well, thanks for letting me know. Um, the Air Force One really has this like came straight up out the grave, like resurrected. It was done dead. Like nobody wanted Air Force Ones, period. Like you could not sell Air Force Ones. Um, these new ones, and of those three, you just kind of alluded to the uh, Ma Maniere are probably my favorite. I like the Travis ones, Air Force ones. Um, the other ones are cool. I just don't know who G Dragon really is. The materials on the uh, Ma Maniers, I'm saying that so wrong, so please don't hate on me if you're just cringing right now. Um, really cool kind of three bases of material it's like a textured kind of like new bucky not new buck but kind of like coarse suede in the back really cool little textured toe box and it just has like nice hints of like black and gray really wintertime ready as i'm looking out into portland it's really kind of dark and gray outside so it would just look really good um 
But actually, my favorite Air Force Ones to kind of come out in the past week or so, two weeks, are those Gore-Tex. There's like five different options of Gore-Tex Air Force Ones you can get right now. There's like three different low tops and like black, tan, and yellow. Then there's a, um, a white and a black mid top that are like super constructed, uh, really premium looking. And I would even say like, is, is Gore-Tex a collab or is Gore-Tex just like highlighting the material? Like, I don't know if we can call it a collab, but those have been super on my radar. Like if I can find those on sale, those are going to be an easy rainy time cop. If I can have an Air Force One, for sure going to be those Gore-Texes. <laughs> yeah, I like those too. I mean, I think uh, Gore-Tex is probably technically not a collaboration, but they probably just have to, you know, they're buying the material from Gore-Tex. I'm assuming if they're using the, the branding and stuff, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm not a fan of the air force one, but I just like seeing, you know, the, the stories come to life when it comes to these kind of collaborations and just, just the energy of, you know, that's put behind this kind of stuff where, you know, like I said, I, I, I kind of just get burnt out from the, the like regular cool here's a story here's a you know half-ass story and i don't have any real reason to pay attention to it and i feel like you know there's there's a lot of variety right now with air force one and um yeah it's just it's just cool to see like the collaborations kind of happening from all over the world really what's what's funny is like i'm really not a big air force one person either I have like two pair of the Flyknit ones solely because they're the most comfortable like sportswear Nikes I've ever worn. Like shout out to the Flyknit Air Force One. It's fantastic. But there's been a couple since like 2017 that I wish I would have bought. Like I wish I would have got those Rockefeller retros. I saw those on a couple websites after release date for retail and I didn't buy and I wish I would have uh, the the coca snakes from earlier this year super wish I caught those every time I see them I like kick myself in the ass um, the Taiwan Air Force One really wish really wish I bought those like those swooshes are so cool and those are just like three retros that were like grails back in the early 2000s but then no one could give a crap less for like 10 years. And then here you have them substantially later in life, just killing it. It's, it's really cool to see the air force one getting like the Jordan one love and air max one love. And what I mean by that is sure. You see the air force one everywhere year after year in basic GR colors, but to see like an attention to detail, and bringing back what long-time fans want. That's really cool. Cause we get like infrared Air Max nineties all the time. You get the red Air Max ones, you get Jordan ones in every OG colorway, except for like the, you know, shout out to our Air Jordan one episode, except for like the metallic ones. But like you get high levels of focus on those other 
quote unquote one models that it's great to see the Air Force One like really starting to shine. Like, are there any Air Force Ones kind of you wish you would have bought recently? Let's say like the past three, four years that you're like, damn, I actually really like those. I mean, I really liked the first Travis Scott Air Force One. Um, it's not really my style, but that was definitely one that, you know, I tried to get and didn't get, didn't have any luck. Um, and then, you know, like one of the, I think too, like for those kind of releases, once I see the price skyrocket, I'm just like, okay, well, that's not going to happen for me. Like, you know, um, one shoe that I've been really tempted by Air Force One wise, um, mainly because Mitch um, and then my buddy Brandon and Jacques did a video on it. Um, the John Elliott Air Force One has uh, a crazy like, I don't know, like the the cushioning, the insole in it has got to be like an inch thick. And it's the nicest materials I've ever seen on it, maybe on any shoe ever, but definitely on an Air Force One. And that one, I think is tempting uh as i see the prices kind of come down and you see them on sale so i don't know we'll see he talks about that shoe mitch <laughs> on instagram like once a month <laughs> <It comes back. laughs> yeah. but no it's so clean yeah it is really nice it's really nice um you know i i was really dismissive of it when it first came out and i was like okay great another white air force one and then i saw it in person and i'm like oh that's why it's nice you know like that's why people are actually into it so it has that like indented swoosh that's super cool yeah yep oh a size 12 is only 165 yeah it's it, the prices i mean it's probably on sale at a lot of places too because it's been around for a while and it hasn't really been selling out so interesting <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly um, the main topic we wanted to get into tonight, today, whenever you're listening to this, is uh, an article on Bro Bible. And uh, I had never seen Bro Bible before, but uh, all of the links are filled with exactly what you would think of for a site called Bro Bible. And they did a story called Sneaker Experts Claim These Were the Most Iconic Kicks for Each Year of This Decade. We disagree. So we're just going to run through the list. It says, according to the sneaker experts at Stadium Goods and Business Insider, these are the most iconic kicks for each year of the decade of 2010 to 2019. With all due respect, we disagree with some of their choices. Um, here's what sneakers they picked, plus a few selections we think we would have been better choices. You want to start with 2010, Robbie? Yeah, I mean... I kind of scoffed at this, not kind of, I straight up scoffed when I saw this list originally, but there, there's a lot of them I would agree with. I think just because my memory is not a straight up encyclopedia, let's just say straight up one more time. Um, it's <laughs> <laughs> um, In retrospect, I think a lot of these are correct because they my, my brain shoots right to that model regardless of seeing this list. So the first one we have here is the South beach LeBron eight. I said that really slow. Cause it's that epic of a shoe in my book. Like that's the LeBron. Like I was asked by Matt Halfhill was like, what would be 
the LeBron akin to like the Jordan 11 Concord, where it's like the friggin' LeBron shoe, like regardless of model, like the definitive LeBron. And I think that colorway is like the LeBron shoe. So subsequently, King James has had 17 shoes now. And to be the best of almost going on two decades, I would 100% say that was the best one to start off this decade. Uh, super long-winded response, but I love that shoe so much. Um, just like the most beautiful thing I saw at the time. Um, and then they didn't really have, they have a choice of disagreeing or agreeing. Um, they went with the Space Jam 11, which I would say I like that Space Jam more than like the 2017, yeah, 2017 Space Jams. But looking back at it, it's just another retro 11 that LeBron 8 is an all-time game changer. So I would agree with the quote-unquote experts. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that. I mean, I think the the LeBron 11 South, or sorry, the LeBron 8 South Beach is like, I, I mean, it 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 arguably is one of the most important sneakers of the decade, not just of the year, right? It it at the time it just set off all sorts of shoes, all sorts of brands trying to do shoes in that colorway, and it's also tied to you know, LeBron going to Miami, which was a huge deal. Right. So to me, it's, that's kind of like, you know, the no brainer for 2010, they did have some, some honorable mentions, zoom Kobe five, which is obviously a great shoe copper foams, which is one of my favorite foam posits, probably my favorite behind the Royals. Um, probably the only two foams that I like are the Royals and the, and the coppers for the most part, but, um, Supreme SB 94 zoom KD two air max LeBron seven all-star all good shoes, but definitely nothing compared to, um, the LeBron eight space jam as their choice is kind of, I'm kind of indifferent to it. I think the shoe is awesome. Obviously like being a fan of Jordans and this Jordan 11 specifically, it's, it's a beautiful shoe, but like Robbie said, it didn't change it didn't change the course of anything, you know, like it was just another retro looking back at it. So hard to, uh, hard, hard to get behind their, uh, their bro Bible opinion on that one. No, it's just funny how we talk about like storytelling being so important and the storytelling behind the South beach is literally moving to South beach. It's like the most point A to point B story there ever has been. And it's yeah. Friggin' perfect. Like there's, not one thing I would change about that shoe ever. <laughs> like, yeah, I would say the only thing in hindsight that I dislike about the South Beach LeBrons is the, the way that the outsole aged. It just got real ugly over time. Um, but that's like kind of the norm. Like if you looked at those Space Jams from that same year, they'd look the same way. So They're yellow. Yeah. Can't really complain. About that. Uh, yeah. So. So. 2011 we have this one seems like a no-brainer to me what okay so the no-brainer is the air mag but who the hell got a pair of air mags in 2011 like talk about one percenters <laughs> like i'm just kidding but like you i believe that was the ebay retro um, e ebay release right 2011 
Yeah. Um, so, yeah. you know, kind of backstory to that. There'd always been like replica versions, like non-official. It was the first real available, true Back to the Future replica. And there would be a different version a couple of years down, right? Like 2013 or 14, they did it again, but with better mechanisms, right? Yeah, 2015. Yeah, 2015. Yeah. But this is the first time we ever see actual auto lacing in yeah. a shoe, right? So it's cool. Um, but just if I had a pair and I am not a one percenter in the sneaker world, I'm going to start using that term of like this, the super elite people, <laughs> but I don't mean it. If you're one of those people, I don't mean it in a negative way. I just mean that I'm sad. I don't have the plug and wallet that you have. So <laughs> it's a different kind of envy, but, um, I wouldn't wear it if you, if I had that shoe, that shit's ugly. Like, I'm not going to wear that. Like, I don't care how much hype. Like, I won't wear the Sakai blazer because I think it's ugly. I don't care how much hype is behind a shoe. If I don't like the way it looks, I'm not going to wear it. So the mag is super important. I love Teen Wolf. <laughs> I love Back to the Future. I love young Michael J. Fox. But cool. <laughs> cool, bro. I mean, I'm I'm probably not wearing them in a normal setting, but if I had them, I'm definitely posting videos on every platform, including TikTok, because I have them. So um, I don't have them, but I'd also actually probably dress up as Michael J. Fox for Halloween if I had them just because. But anyway, honorable mentions for 2011, they have a. Nike Air Griffey Max 1, one of my favorite shoes of all time. Definitely not up to uh, the standard. Um, Air Jordan 7 Bordeaux, Nike Zoom Kobe 6, Nike Zoom Rookie LWP, which was, uh, you know, like the progression of Penny Hardaway's line. And the Adidas Run DMC, uh, they didn't say it, but that's a superstar. That shoe is phenomenal. That's the one that had the gold rope lacing like Dubray. And I do have that shoe and I have worn it. It's an amazing shoe, but still the Nike mags, you know, top of the list. I believe the Freshwaters retroed in 2011 and that's the Griffey they're talking about. Right. I think. And man, I think you said shame because the materials were bad. Those things were atrocious. Like. Yeah, I mean, material wise, you know, no. Yeah, they were a little rough. I did buy them. I still have them. So I would still. I'm just so proof proof that I've been a sucker for this for uh, what is this eight nine years of buying Nike retro product, even though it's terrible <laughs> materials. Uh, but uh, I do have some interesting stuff that I'm I, I'm going to try to use on Flight 89s to like soften up the leather. We'll see if it actually works. I'll I'll share maybe in a future episode or did on you, youtube or something did you go um consult a cobbler or something get some like leather <laughs> <laughs> no it turns out that uh so m- my friends uh at sneaker lab downtown here in los angeles have a uh like like a they have a bunch of cleaners and like deodorizers and stuff like that but they have a leather conditioner that they're pretty they're pretty adamant that it will actually make the shoes feel better so i don't know we'll, we'll see i'm gonna give it a shot and uh, i'll report back so before we pivot into 2012 
I would still argue that the Kobe six Grinch is better than the mag. I would legitimately change and say not the mag. Uh, and I was tough. Like, that damn Grinch. <sighs> See, this is this is where like my uh, my editorial background goes. Well, that's a basketball shoe, so we'll just do a whole list for basketball, and then we'll do a whole list for uh, retro product. Because you're right, it's a it's a great shoe, and the story behind it is equally impressive. The way that it was launched. I mean, I still remember. The pictures of uh what's the comedian's name uh that was sitting courtside uh, jb uh oh man no he it's uh oh man let me see if i can find him real quick george lopez george lopez sitting courtside at, at the lakers game with those shoes, there's I, I'm sure there's pictures. I'll try to find it. Maybe we can throw. I can't take Instagram. George Lopez seriously after that South Park episode. If anybody watched South Park, you know what I'm talking <laughs> about. And I'm not funny, man. It's like it's the Kanye West, <laughs> which, and I thought of all <laughs> that because it segues to 2012's top pick according to the Bro Bible, uh, Nike Air Yeezy Two, which I would a thousand percent agree with an asterisk, because again, you ain't getting that shoe, <laughs> and you are not getting it now unless you have deep, deep bank account, big bank, as they say. Um, but that shoe is like the shoe, I would even say of the decade contestant, like top five, no doubt. My personal gut tells me to go with the big bang LeBron nine. I know Mike would agree with me, but that's just because that's like the best galaxy other well, no, fuck that. The Galaxy Phone Posit. I would say the Galaxy Phone Posit is like right there. The same thing the LeBron 8 did, the, the South Beach LeBron 8 did. The Phone Posit took it, flipped it, upgraded it, added fire, and then added this like magic dust to it. Like that shoe is like all-star. That, that, that's like you're an all-star if you have that shoe. Like I know it's for the all-star game. But like, if I see you walking down the street in that shoe, I'm gonna start slow clapping, like you just like you just won something, and you just. <laughs> That's one of the more flexy shoes I think. I think ever like, I, I, and I'm a big fanboy for it. If you can't tell, I do not own a pair, but it's like, I'm that one kid in Gotham who sees Batman fly around and just goes, "Oh, Batman, I love you," and like. But for the phone part of the galaxy. So I would say that shoe is like a 1B to the 1A easy to. Yeah, I uh I don't know. It's it's tough to uh it's it's tough because the the easy two for me was like a pretty it was a pretty amazing shoe, um, even though like it was not something that I even, you know, really put any effort to trying to get when it came out because I'm just not it's not a style for me, really. Um, but there was a lot of good stuff that year. Uh, Stussy Converse Pro Leathers were pretty dope. Like you said, the, the whole Galaxy thing was just amazing. Um, and. Yeah, just um one thing that i wanted to mention though nike fly knit 
the the original Flynet launched in the Olympics in 2012, and that shoe was amazing. True, the Flynet trainer. Yeah, the Flynet trainer. Yeah, I, I know definitively. Yes, Flynet trainer. Um, yeah, but like that's just such a strong year because yeah, the Flynet trainer debuted. Flynet is now like the go-to technology. If you want to add something fifty dollars more than its base model, you just put Flynet on it, and it works better, and it costs more, and everybody's happy. Um, but that really did change the game, like you said. The whole Galaxy pack was amazing. Many would argue that's the best Nike basketball pack ever made. And they've been doing that for more than 10 years. So this could very easily go into very segmented lists. If you want to like put, you know, rigid rules on what we talk about. But it gets really hard. I think these last, the decade started off with some really, really good shoes. And um, it makes you really appreciate shoes like i love shoes if, you, if i mean i'm talking about it on a podcast but just like thinking <laughs> back it's like damn i really do love even stuff i don't own i love them like they're children so it's really strong lineup so far yeah um, I, I i agree and uh speaking of loving shoes i think 2013 was uh probably one of the coolest shoes for me was the well, according to their experts, the Air Jordan 3 OG 88 with the Nike Air on the back. And uh, Bro Bible said that their pick was the Air Jordan 1 in the black and gold, the patent leather version. But I, you know, as somebody who wanted that like true, like Nike Air on the back, white cement Jordan 3 for, you know, basically since the 90s, since I didn't get them prior to that um that shoot to me in 2013 was like i mean that's like one of the like defining moments of my like love for sneakers it's right there so um what what do you think about 2013 robbie i'm really heartbroken because my counter to their list actually released on november 30th of 2012 i was gonna say the Jordan 9 Dornbecker, the Poyolito. I love that shoe. I struck out. I couldn't get a pair. But even now, it's like the most perfect over the top. But it does not count. Um, I have a hard time arguing against the 33, pardon me, the 388, because I worked at a house of hoops then. And every day, somebody at least three people came in asking if we had that shoe and it didn't release at very many places. Like I worked at the fashion show mall Foot Locker, So it was like the flagship Las Vegas store. And it's like one of the flagship stores of like the Southwest and they didn't get them. Uh, I still want that shoe. I will to this day say that the white cement three is better than the white cement four. Like I, I love the three. I love that look. It's the first time we really got Nike Air branding on any of those, like holy top pinnacle Air Jordan retros. You know, like one through eight type deal. Um, so a, a lot of firsts to come back. 
And I really can't disagree that that was probably the shoe of the year. I mean, every day someone for months and months before and after release, people will be asked if we had that shoe. And yeah, like 600 bucks now, 100, I, I can't afford it, but I would definitely buy it. If that was the next Air Jordan to retro, I would cop two of them, no joke. I remember specifically like when that shoe came out, um, I was actually working for, for complex and I was sitting there. Uh, it released online at the exact time. I don't remember at, you know, what time of day it was, but it was like right when Jordan like took off from the free throw line, um, whatever that was, February something or other on like the 25th anniversary of the dunk contest. So it, it was, it was such a, like, you know, like a cool moment for me personally, just to be like, here, here I am, like, you know, had moved to New York and I'm working for a complex, you know, running the sneaker channel and sitting, literally sitting in a little cubicle with like Russ Bankston. And, um, you know, I was able to actually get them online. I was like one of the few people that got them. Um, I don't remember, like, I still have a pair. I ended up, there was something weird happened and I like ended up giving my pair to somebody else, um, like temporarily because they needed them or something. But, uh, it was pretty dope. Cause you know, just like, you know, for me, there's a lot of personal nostalgia around the shoe and around that retro of it specifically. So, um, but then, uh, the what's up? The light, the lights get low around Robbie. <laughs> and he asked, let me hold those shoes dog <laughs> I, mean, I actually still have mine I, I wear them pretty regularly they're they're pretty beat up but you know it's it's one of those shoes where you know a lot of the shoes on this list if if i'm wearing them i'm wearing them for a long time if i if i'm able to get them and that was definitely one of them where i didn't really care i was gonna i was gonna be you know, wearing them on a regular, regular basis, because it's just one of those shoes that I love that much. So, but, um, another shoe that I actually wish I would have got is there the expert choice for 2014, the fragment Jordan one. Um, yeah, I just think it's beautiful and missed out on it. And of course I think it's the best shoe of 2014, but I'll just be sad and let Robbie talk now. I mean, I'm also crying inside a little bit and just seeing it. Um, <laughs> I have three pairs of white, black, and blue Air Jordan ones. And fun fact, none of them are that shoe. <laughs> and it's like all this trying to make up for not having the fragment. That's like, we talk about grails and the word grail gets thrown around a lot. Like, oh, that's going to be a grail or whatever. The fragment ones are like solid gold encrusted grails. Like those are definitively like the shoe like you are hot shit if you have that shoe on yeah or you're super dumb and they're fake and you don't know it <laughs> exactly um and uh the, the guys at bro bible decided that their pick for 2014 was the air jordan 14 ferrari so <gasps> Yeah, I think we could just move right on to 2015 after say, saying that. No, I mean, so <laughs> I want to say one that I think I actually like. So 
given what I said about the fragment, it's delicious. It's a fantastic shoe. And I purposely said delicious because it's just delightful. It's, yeah, I would eat that shoe up. Um, I like the Carmine, like the Carmine from 2014. I bought those that year. I always wanted a pair of Carmine since I was a kid. I did not care that it had Jumpman branding on the heel. But I think that's more of like an acquirable shoe for 2014 that a lot of people want retroed again. And if they bought that retro that year, they are damn happy because it's really nice material. I'm very, very pleased with my Carmines. But that's probably another top 10 Jordan for me is the Carmine 6. It's just gorgeous. Yeah, that is a beautiful shoe. I, I actually didn't get those, although that's uh, kind of always been on my watch list in case one of them pops up that uh, was in a price range that I could afford. Man, it was like on my it was on my radar for like 15 years of my life. And then a retro and I was like Operation Black Hawk Down. I must hear <laughs> the shoe. Yeah. Um, so 2015 is actually probably one of my favorite shoes of the decade. If I were to just go by strictly how many times I've worn one of these shoes, the Adidas Ultra Boost, uh, the original colorway in that like black with the purple heel was my favorite by far. Um, the experts chose it and so did Bro Bible. So I don't know if if how I feel about agreeing with experts and Bro Bible, but Ultra Boost is just it's just stupidly comfortable and easy to wear. And it I mean, I just I probably have a dozen plus colorways that I just am constantly throwing on. So um. if you don't feel good about agreeing, I got you, dog, because I'm going to go with the Jordan one Chicago. It is by far the best quality I would say they're better than the shattered backboards. Like I know you have a pair of shattered backboards. Probably they're toe to toe, man. Like the the Chicago is buttery as hell. It has all the, I call it the beauty crease where like the leather is actually supple and it creases around the toe box where like, where, where the shoe meets the tooling where they glue. If it's really nice leather, it kind of buckles there a little bit, which some people are really angry about that, but I love it. Um, I wear mine probably a couple times a month. Shout out to wearing your shoes, but time has told you that that is the shoe of the deck of that year. Cause prices now on it are like 700 and up on a pair of dead stock 2015 Chicago's. So I know that cause I looked up doubling up a couple weeks ago. I hey, might as well maybe want to get another pair. Um, not anymore after seeing the price, but it's, there's not a Jordan one of the past two years that even holds a candle to the materials on that 15. So that's, that's my pick. I will go against the green and I'm going to go with that. I, obviously that's a like, legendary shoe and and i didn't get a pair but i saw them in person many times and uh considered buying them many times but honestly i have i have a handful of jordan ones and i i wear like my royals i wear my chatter backboards and court purples more than anything so i've kind of moved away from like the jordan like chicago colorways but um they have on on the list for 2015 honorable mentions 
Uh, the Jordan 11, 72 and 10, which definitely had like pretty good quality. I'm surprised that that shoe didn't, wasn't more popular than it was. Um, they also have the Nike sock dart, the HTM Nike Kobe elite low Kobe 10 elite low and the Yeezy 350 boost, which it's funny to think about all those shoes. So we're talking about the ultra boost, the Jordan one, Chicago, the Jordan 11, 72 and 10, the Nike sock dart. HTM Kobe 10 Elite Low and the Adidas Yeezy 350 Boost. The only shoe on that list that I look at and think, damn, that shoe looks so dated is the Yeezy 350, the original 350s. Yeah. Like the, I forget what it was, Turtle Doves and, and whatever, Black, Pirate Blacks and stuff like that. It's crazy to me how dated that shoe looks compared to, you know, anything on that list, but also the next year that they have on here is 2016 uh the experts picked the 350 v2 the belugas which i think is a dope looking shoe and it doesn't look near as dated as the first version mm -hmm. of the 350 that's so correct because i was looking at a pair of tur turtle doves and it just looks like an unfinished it's like the v1 is just the unfinished v2 it's it's super dated and i feel really happy to say I own every pair of shoes from 2015 on that list, except for the original 350. And that was a damn good year. Like those are all super killers. But the Beluga, I think is like the 350. Everybody still wishes they had. Like they could release all these other colors. You can do it till you're blue in the face. But at the end of the day, people want the Beluga, not the V2. They want the V1 Beluga. Like, hmm. I've seen a couple pairs in person, and this that color of red, orange, infrared, whatever you want to call it, it pops so nice. Like, it is perfect palette choice. It's super duper clean. Like, I can't think. The bread, I wanted to say the bread, but that shoe comes out every four or five years. So like, who cares? Not really all that cool. Um, it's hard to go against the Beluga V2. I a hundred percent agree. It's just, if you see a pair in person, they literally snap next. Like, Oh damn. What are those? And you turn back around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. So interestingly enough, uh, the, the Beluga was the, the expert's choice and Bro Bible's pick was the Air Jordan 11 Space Jam, which uh, it's just kind of funny that you would have a list of 10 years of shoes. You're going to pick 10 shoes, the best 10 shoes of the decade, and you're going to put Space Jams on it twice. I don't know that that's uh, it just doesn't add up for me. But uh, some of the honorable mentions actually for 2016 were pretty interesting. Pharrell, Adidas NMD. Um, the Jordan 12 flu games, Air Jordan one band, Bape, Adidas, NMD, and the Supreme Air Max 98. So I think that the Pharrell NMD might be more important in 2016 than any of those other shoes. Like if that was the year that the original yellow Pharrell NMD came out, I don't know what the price is of that shoe now, but I bet you it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. So, um, and I think. I mean, we've we've talked about this, but I actually think that Pharrell is like 
mainstream popular as he is and as many shoes as he does and all these crazy collaborations. I mean, he just released a watch with Richard Mille, which, you know, is like damn near a million dollar watch. And he's got his Chanel stuff. He's got his Adidas stuff. He's literally partners with all these different brands. I think he's still underrated. I don't understand how that's possible, but I think people don't like acknowledge the amount of like energy and just passion that he brings to whether it's the, the shoes or any of the other collaborations. So um, I, I'm going to step off my Pharrell fanboy box here. And, uh, <laughs> but I think that, I think that's my pick for 2016. So I don't mean to contribute to your shoe your addiction, but index has the green NMDs Pharrell's dead stock size 13 for 700, which is a really, that's a competitive price. So if you need a pair, yeah. Nick, if you need a pair, <laughs> um, they're not posted on the website because they always keep some stuff in store to get you in store. Um, and they have a pair of dead stock and I, I, those mothers, I'm considering buying them. Once my off whites sell, I am strongly considering, cause you're right. That's a really, that started a line that's still going now. It's Pharrell. Like he, everything he touches is premium and it's done well. And the lines kind of shifted towards not the m most creative colors or like, you know, motifs, if you will. But those original green, black, blue, orange, like yellow, just so simple. They look really foreign and alien like, but they're relatable. They're just they have all these things going on at the same time that just work. So. I, I would 100% agree with what you said there. Um, now, for the, for the next year, I think you'd have a hard time arguing, but I'm going to argue it anyway. Um, so we have the off-white Air Jordan 1, both Bro Bible and the Professionals or, you know, however you want to phrase it, whatever. Everybody picked that shoe. Um, it's fantastic. I think the UNCs look better. And I would say I would rather go with the undefeateds. And no, it's on the honorable mention list, but the olive really rare undefeated pair, like the third colorway that was super hard to get. I think that's way cleaner than the Chicago off-white may not be the most popular take but if you ever see a pair of those olive undefeateds they are freaking sexy like they are really really good looking and yeah i'm kind of disappointed that you as a laker fan didn't go with the big baller brand zo2 for 2017 uh, <laughs> <laughs> now if it was the funniest pair of the, each year yeah it would be on it um no i i mean I agree. The the undefeated Air Max 97 is really dope. Um, it's hard to, you know, the off-white stuff to me is like, I, I'm kind of just over it. So seeing it still is just like, okay, yeah. But it was really important. It was really dope. I mean, I think, you know, I, I agree with you. I think the Carolina colorway looks better, but um, I would say that about the original 
like Chicago Jordan one compared to the original Carolina ones, but that's just personal preference. And I think that that shoe, you know, Virgil Abloh and Off-White just, you know, like started a whole crazy movement with that stuff. And, um, you know, looking at kind of the other releases, obviously you mentioned the the undefeated 97s, the big baller brand ZO2, the Yeezy Power Phase Calabasas, um, Jordan 1 Gold Top 3s, and the Air Jordan 11 Win Like 96. All pretty dope shoes. But to me, the the off-white stuff is just... It's been too big of a deal to to pick anything else, even though I probably would prefer wearing the undefeated 97s. Um, yeah. What do you think? 2018. Uh, I don't like Sean Weatherspoon. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll say it. I don't like Sean Weatherspoon. I don't like round two either. <laughs> like I straight up don't. It's the number one pick. The Air Max 197 by Sean Weatherspoon. I don't like him. <laughs> I don't like the shoes. They're cool, but just the fact that there's like a thousand dollar Air Max that isn't Atmos, the true OG loyalist in my brain says, fuck that. <laughs> I, I can't like, I, I can't, I can't do it, man. <laughs> like, it's like, it's, they're cool. I would actually agree with the bro Bible and it's the first 11 I'm putting in the decade. If Robbie was choosing um, the, the Concords were another shoe that I wore. Like, so I didn't wear them for like, I had this thing with 11s. I let them sit for a little bit, let everybody get their Instagram photos in and wear them all out and everything. So I started wearing like holiday Jordans around April the next year. And I wore those Concords like two weeks straight. I've always wanted Concords. Finally had them like a kid in a candy store. I wanted that shoe so, so, so bad. And I got it. So nostalgia wins over stupid resale. Air <laughs> so I, I'm going to play devil's advocate because I think the, the Weatherspoon shoe was super dope because it was a part of that whole like you know nike creator initiative where they let a bunch of people you know kind of mock up their designs and then let people vote on which one would be produced and the fact that he won that i think is super dope you know and and like round two like the stores are really crazy like there's just there's just all sorts of crazy stuff in there i don't know him personally so um the concords to me i mean i i picked up those shoes i think they're obviously you know, incredibly important. Um, but my pick for 2018 has to come from the honorable mentions on this list. Uh, so honorable mentions has the Comme de Garcon Nike Air Max 180, which was all those pink releases, um, the Bape Adidas Dame 4, the Adidas Easy 500, which is pretty dope. And then the Nike John Elliott LeBron 10, which, you know, we're still seeing versions of that shoe come out now. But Union Air Jordan 1s in 2018, when I first saw the Union stuff, I wasn't like super into it. And like by the time they came out, I wanted the blue pairs so bad. It was like, it was like, like, this is like the big sign that you have a problem, Nick, is that you have completely flip flopped on like the shoe. And now like 
a year later, I'm still just like, every time I see a pair of those blue unions, it's just like, damn, like, why have I not bought those? They just look so good. I love the whole story. I love that they brought back all the flight gear for it. And that would be my pick for 2018. Well, you haven't bought them because you don't want to spend like 1300, 1400 bucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, the Comme des Garçons Air Max 180s, those are super clean. I like that a lot yeah. too. And to put some context into why I don't like Sean Weatherspoon, just so you don't think I'm a hater for no reason. I've had a couple homies, so like more than one person, like reach out to him with like product and they message back and forth and they agree on something and then he just ghosts them and blocks it. So it's like, why go through the process of like negotiating with people? And, and I can vouch for the people, I'm not going to name names, but like that they're, that he was talking to, like my friends, because like I've bought stuff from them. I know where they get stuff from. They're good people to work with. and like. I don't know why you would just like get to the point where like you're ready to ship and like do stuff. And then it's like, go somebody. So it's the resale and the fact that he's done the homies wrong. So it's, it's, it's not just blind hate, but uh, <laughs> there is some reason behind it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's tough, man. Like social media is so difficult to keep up with. Like for me, like doing, you know, all the different stuff that I do, like, you know, handling accounts for other people, as like work sometimes and like handling my own account and sneaker history and then sitting treasures and like all the different, I mean, I have a, I have like at least a dozen different, you know, like accounts and then times that times, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, you know, Pinterest, all the different platforms that you're trying to like exist on. It's hard for me to keep up with things. And, um, but yeah, I, I don't want to like, I'm not knocking like you or your, your, your friends experiences, but I, I just know that like, it's really difficult for me to keep up. So I can't imagine somebody that has, I don't know how many followers she has because it probably has tons of them, but um, yeah, it, it is crazy though. Like I, I'm surprised that that shoe got so much attention and I'm, you know, surprised at kind of his, you know, celebrity from it, but he seems to be doing like, crazy shit all the time it's like he's working with louis vuitton and obviously had his guests um guest jeans collection and all that stuff but it's kind of funny because here in la like you have like you know the the resale thing is is really like everywhere you can't really go anywhere without seeing it there's stores on every main street it seems like at this point there's there's you know cool kick stores on the santa monica promenade which is like old school you know, retail. Um, but I will say that like the vintage stuff at round two is bananas. Like there's just so much stuff in there that they, that they, you know, are able to find from a lot of the, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, um, you know, like flea markets and, um, stuff like that. Um, but flea market swap meet stuff like that here in LA. So they tend to find a lot of the good stuff. And I know I know that, you know, he's got to be up at, you know, four in the morning on Sundays to go do that stuff because that's when the, the stuff opens, which is more than I'm willing to put in to get to live and die in L.A. is a place for me. <laughs> um, so 2019. Um, what do you think? I think we should actually just 
put a pause on this now and we'll talk about 2019 on an upcoming episode. Sorry, I agree. I'll tell you that it's not the Sakai, but we'll leave it at that. Yeah. So, so, uh, on this list, which we'll link in the, in the description, uh, 2019 experts say the Sakai LD waffle and, uh, bro Bibles pick is the air Jordan 11 bread. Um, but we'll have to get into that on an upcoming episode. Ain't no time for four elevens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, well, we appreciate all of you listening. If you have an extra minute, drop us a review on iTunes, and uh, you can find me at Nick Engvall, N I C K E N G V A L L, on all platforms. More importantly, just follow at Sneaker History on all platforms. Follow at Sitting Treasure. It's another account that we're going to run that has uh, kind of vintage stuff, old older shoes we find as we're digging through these stores. And uh, yeah, Robbie, let them know how they can find you. You can find me being a much more happy and nice person on <laughs> R-A-H-B-E-E-702 on all major platforms. I am really very nice. So, Sean, I'm sorry for being so mean if you ever listen to this. But this your shoe is it's way too expensive for what that shit is. So have a good night, everybody. <laughs> right on. Uh, we'll catch everyone next time. Thanks for listening. Peace. What up, y'all? This is Nick again. Before you take off, I wanted to let you know of a few things that we've got going on for you here at Sneaker History. First off, you can save 15% off of Shrine Co. bag purchases at, on their website at theshrine.co using the code HISTORY15. The second thing is a favor. I wanted to ask you all to take just a couple of minutes to leave us a review on iTunes. Really, it's the only way that we're able to expand our audience and reach new people with this podcast. And we greatly appreciate all of you for taking just a couple of minutes out of your day to leave us a review. Whether it's good, bad, feedback, any of the above, we'll take it all and hopefully continue to make this podcast better for you with each and every episode. Last but definitely not least, do yourself a favor, do the community a favor, Tell somebody that you like their shoes today. You never know how far that will go for somebody. And we all know how good it feels when we're recognized for wearing a fresh pair. So spread the love and we'll keep doing the same. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.